everybody, and welcome back to Sapphic Survival Guide, where we are happy to be queer to answer your questions. I'm Gina. And I'm Cheyenne. And class is now in session. Today, we are talking about imposter syndrome. I feel like I've already learned more about imposter syndrome after having the podcast with you, Cheyenne. So mm. can you actually like give some sort of what, what would you define imposter syndrome as? I feel like you're going to give a better answer than me. So imposter syndrome, well, we were just talking before we started kind of about um, the patriarchy and white supremacy. And I feel like imposter syndrome kind of like stems from those things because it's like we're like conditioned to see like a straight white cis older man as like the authority on things and like how they interact with us. That's typically how they see themselves like hence why we get like mansplained to and um you know like people assume things of us and I think it's uh just that like we must not be good enough kind of feeling and it's like who am I to to fool this person into thinking I'm successful or thinking I'm smart or in this case thinking I'm queer and it feels like we're faking and we don't have like the criteria that other people have in whatever sphere that we're talking about um and I think it all goes back to like certain people um having a say in what is and isn't and I don't think the world is as binary or as black and white as we're led to believe (laughs) that makes sense I know that was like very roundabout but I I have a lot of thoughts about it I guess (laughs) No, I mean, I do think like what you were saying, how it kind of comes down to compet where it's like, this is what you're supposed to be. This is how you're supposed to live. These Mm -hmm. are the parameters you're supposed to abide by. And then when we are maybe not that cookie cutter image, then we second guess ourselves. And we're like, am I just like doing this for attention though? Or am Mm -hmm. I actually outside of this box? Or am I just trying to be different? Because that's also shamed. And I've, definitely at times been a pick me girl, unfortunately. And I don't like stand by those moments in my life, Mm -hmm. but in those moments, I definitely was very unsure of like, what am I doing for attention and what am I doing Mm -hmm. for real, for real. And I think that imposter syndrome was something I feel a lot as someone who's like under the pansexual umbrella, technically, because everyone wants to tell me I'm something different and it's really hard to then have to like stand your ground because then you're like, well, am I a lesbian? And like, I just make some exceptions. No. Or am I fully bisexual? But no, that doesn't feel right either. And it's so annoying because I don't think there's a great, um, like guidebook of here's how to know exactly where you are and never have any sort of doubts about it. But those doubts I do think come from, yeah, you're supposed to be this way and this way and this way. And then when you figure out you're not, it's this weird feeling of like, am I doing too much or am I, and this is the queer version because you can have imposter. I have imposter syndrome at my job all the time. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm just out here cosplaying in corporate America as if I'm not just some weird girl with dyed hair who likes to talk shit on the internet, you know? But it's, yeah. it's very much like you actually are something, but in your head, you're like, no, I'm just giving that facade or like, I'm just pretending. I don't know. It mm-hmm. is like very convoluted. Yeah. It kind of re- reminds me of that, like RuPaul quote about like, we're all in drag kind of thing. Like we're all, we're all... naked and the rest is drag. Yeah. We're mm-hmm. all pretending. We're all imposters. Like 
trying to fit into these roles that we have in society and these molds and whether we do or don't is like based on who we are and how we grew up and the conditions that we're in like it's all if you think about it it's all just like so made up like it's it's just like constructs um and I've heard before that if you have like imposter syndrome then you must be really good at faking it like you're a really good imposter kind of thing (laughs) like if you think about it it's like damn I really convinced these people and like you just kind of need to convince yourself of that if you're feeling imposter syndrome because it's like I'm convincing everyone else so I must be really good at whatever I'm quote-unquote faking um and I've also heard that like real imposters don't get like imposter syndrome like it's kind of I I think it's it all just like goes back to like our ego and how we see ourselves and the roles that we like even my mom (laughs) I know this is so random but my mom told me like when something happens in public she'll like look around for an adult to take care of it and my mom's almost (laughs) 50 and it's like I don't think we ever stop feeling like all these different past versions of ourselves like you know you, you might feel like a little kid at your corporate job and you feel Mm -hmm. like you shouldn't be there but like so does everybody else we're all just hiding it from each other not talking about it and I just do my little things to try and hide my imposter syndrome like I put on glasses because it's statistically (laughs) proven that people think you are smarter if you are wearing glasses so do I need glasses no are they on my face because I was working today yes and because I feel like already my credibility goes up when Does it make you feel smarter? Me with glasses. Well, not even that I feel smarter. I just feel like I'm going to be taken more seriously. Mm. And I, I, it's not even like I think that. I've done enough um, trials in Stop. office settings to know that I get taken more seriously when I have my glasses on, especially having colored hair. That's wild, but that's cool. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, but that helps me ease my imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. in like queer even though world, wait, even though technically you are an imposter because you don't need glasses. So you're like an imposter wearing But I don't have any imposter syndrome about my glasses. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what you were just yeah. saying though. Yeah. I have no <laughs> imposter syndrome about wearing the glasses, just about being at the job. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's no that's true though yeah but that's then wild. in like queer life I was just saying how like whatever about feeling you know more or less this way or that way but then there's other things because I feel like sometimes I'll put on certain outfits that I'm like am I just wearing this because I'm gay and this is a gay mm-hmm. thing to wear like a backwards hat I look so cute in backwards hats but yeah. I'm not, not sure if I put that on because I'm like gay women wear backwards hats Mm-hmm. whatever or because I actually want to wear that and that's like another layer of imposter syndrome it goes so far I don't even know mm-hmm. yeah I just got a new job and I'm feeling some imposter syndrome about it and I'm just like convincing myself I'm gonna go in and I'm like playing a role like I'm a character and like I'm me as a character but like this is a little like, like performance I'm putting on so I'm gonna like step into this role and I feel like that's kind of you with the glasses like you're like people are going to take me seriously so I'm going to put these glasses on mm-hmm. and you know I like how I look with them and it's going to make people treat me differently and it's like a choice and I feel like if you look at situations where you have imposter syndrome and kind of frame it that way because everything to fix all your problems you just have to like reframe it basically <laughs> I mean not everything but like a lot of a lot of things that are like 
mental in the realm like, of imposter, imposter syndrome. syndrome yeah right. yeah uh <laughs> if you can like reframe I think that takes away a lot of like the discomfort and anxiety and fear and guilt and whatever mm-hmm. else you're feeling about feeling that way I also think imposter syndrome is a universal mm-hmm. or can be a universal experience like I don't think nobody experiences it on some level like mm-hmm. even I think a cis hat able-bodied all the privileges in the world you know white man would still in some areas have imposter mm-hmm. syndrome like if that person becomes a dad or like mm. I don't know there's so many things that I think that some level I think almost everybody you know almost experiences imposter syndrome in some area of their life but queer people I think we're designed to like not be able to find ourselves as easily so imposter syndrome is more of a risk I guess yeah yeah I definitely feel it too I am like I have in the past been like questioning my sexuality I'm like am I technically pansexual before I learned that you can be a lesbian and be attracted to non-binary people like I was like really grappling with that so I felt a lot of um imposter syndrome about my sexuality and like at that point I had already grown my hot lesbian account I was like really like questioning everything and questioning my identity and I was like damn I'm really gonna have to like have this conversation with people um but Did you send you know. this question in then it says I'm <laughs> gaslighting myself into thinking being a lesbian was a phase after all what the fuck please help was this was you during me. your what did I do hot lesbian phase that's so I funny. mean maybe if I like traveled from the past and <laughs> asked the question because it was like years ago at this point um but I I think it's hard to help that person because they kind of are gaslighting themselves like they admit it that they're gaslighting themselves yeah like being a lesbian or identifying that way I should say can technically be a phase and for some people like it was never a phase and it was always the end destination and sexuality is like fluid and you're trying to figure out Mm -hmm. your footing with your identity um so like I think figuring that out and navigating the fluidity of your personal sexuality um can lead to that kind of like confusion and imposter syndrome and like feeling that you're lying to yourself but I don't think that it necessarily was I don't know like it's it's hard to say for this person but I think their sexuality is probably more fluid than they think and they're like focused a little bit too hard on the label yeah I think phase is sort of a hard word to be using in that instance because even if you identified as a lesbian and then you find a word that better suits you, even if it is just queer, let's say, Mm -hmm. because there could be a lot of reasons that you maybe don't jive with the word lesbian. Like, let's just say you don't really, I fully identify as a woman anymore. And Mm -hmm. while you can still be non-binary and identify as a lesbian, you could also feel like that's not a title that feels good anymore. And then maybe you're starting to think, okay, I called myself a lesbian for so many years, but I really feel like this term is better for me. That doesn't necessarily mean that you had like a lesbian phase. I think people are allowed to ebb and grow. I also think you could identify as a lesbian and have a partner. And then that partner decides that they realize their gender and want to come out to you. And you can decide how that affects the way you want to identify. I just feel like there's more layers to it because 
And this is, you know, I always think like, sometimes I'm like, am I thinking from the like pansexual side of my brain Mm -hmm. where I'm like, it's about the person. It's about like who Mm -hmm. you are in love with. Like maybe that is personal to me. Um, but I just feel like any instance of like thinking it was a phase in that, like, I think you are gaslighting yourself because you are allowed to like kind of ebb and flow and meet different people that appeal to you and Mm -hmm. still be in the queer community and still have experiences that felt good at that time. Even if you don't want to pursue that person or someone like them anymore. I don't know. I just don't think it's as black and white as being like, it was a phase, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking about black and white we have another question that said can you talk Mm -hmm. about biracial lesbian imposter syndrome specifically and I really love that someone asked this because I have been thinking about this a little bit myself since we got this question and I think imposter syndrome is like very prevalent when you are outside of a binary or like born into the gray area of society and people want you to choose like a label um and I think that kind of thing it's like difficult to do and obviously there are way bigger issues like there's colorism there's systemic racism like there are way bigger issues but that is something that can like personally harm you if you don't like work through it and cope with it and like I said before reframe it um I have felt very like outside of the community in the past because a lot of like the representation that we see are white lesbians or white sapphic people and um like I have felt in the past that like people were less attracted to me because of their internalized racism or externalized I don't know how um how with it they were like how much they knew and I live in like a pretty um racially divided area so I didn't have like tons of access to like intermingling in the parts of the city that I live in or like went to school in like I went to very like white schools and stuff like that so I don't know it felt like I finally had gotten over like the quote-unquote hurdle of being biracial I had felt but then like once I had come out as a lesbian it seemed like a new environment to get used to I don't know this if any of this sounds no I think that's why intersectionality is so important in representation and I think a lot of times in the media there's they like do things to check a box Mm -hmm. and I'm like okay people are more layered than like the one disabled person who's white and then the Mm -hmm. one black person who's not disabled and then the one gay person who's white I'm like okay there's black trans disabled gay people there's Mm -hmm. like like where there's a lot of layers to humanity and I don't think it's shared enough and I think that you know I I'm not trying to speak on behalf of somebody who would feel this kind of imposter syndrome but I my guess would say that like if we had more representation that would be better to ease some of that because if you can see yourself in like reflected that's mm-hmm. able to give you more of that sense of self so that's why the representation especially from an intersectionality important uh, stance is so important I agree 
Yeah. And I, I think a way to get around that is by like following biracial lesbians on social media and just kind of creating your own kind of representation um, and your own community and trying to meet others who are like you um, and talking about experiences that way. But, you know, it's like it's hard to hard to talk about being biracial in general, because, like I said, there are s- such like so many more like pressing issues but at the same time, like these kind of more internal struggles can manifest in greater ways, I guess, or like be more detrimental to yourself personally. Um, but I don't know. I think that there are ways around it for sure. Yeah. We don't have all the answers to this, but I think, no, I think you spoke well on this yeah it's hard I don't want to be like the spokesperson I can't be the I'm not, I'm not ever in spokesperson but I obviously have a position here where I'm asked to speak about it but you know there's so many yeah. different like points of view that it's hard to address such a big question yeah you know? no it, and it is that it is a big question yeah. yeah okay let's switch gears so not biracial but bisexual how do I cope with by grief? I met a great guy right when I just started dating women. I've definitely heard a kind of trope on TikTok where it's like by women apologizing about the fact that they're dating a man. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's almost this area of like, quote unquote, by grief that they're mentioning where it's like, I don't know. My, my response to this is like, do you remember what bisexual means? You're going to have partners of all genders. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry that, I mean, I guess I'm like, I'm sorry that compat maybe didn't allow you to have those experiences with women until now. And you just started getting them and then went back to something that's familiar. Um, but I, I mean, I, I can empathize with that, but yeah, I think the best way to cope with it is to think about everything that you're gaining from being with this person and how happy they make you and kind of focus more on that aspect of it and maybe let yourself properly grieve that in whatever way you need to or like find a way to be part of a sapphic community or bisexual community specifically in other ways like maybe go make some bisexual friends and engage in some uh watching some bisexual uh media like I don't know there are other options for like seeing that representation or like ways to engage with the greater queer community without being in a queer relationship or a relationship with a woman or non-binary people um I think also it's important for this person to remember that like you met a great guy but like are you marrying him are you going to be monogamous with him forever like are there options that you can like keep dating other people like either a non-monogamous relationship or just like keep things kind of casual that way you still have him in your life but like you get to meet other people like I think there are more options than just like shutting yourself off to the opportunity um but also like there are options if you want to be fully monogamous and shut yourself off to any other options (laughs) yeah and like even if you marry this man and you never you know open up the relationship ever Mm -hmm. go to queer events make queer friends go support 
queer media, queer TV, queer local community organizations, Mm -hmm. help out with your local AIDS foundation. Like there are so many things you can do to still be connected to the community and help out and make sure that that's still part of yourself that you harvest that you should be doing no matter who you're dating. Because even Mm -hmm. let's say you're a woman dating a woman, you don't get just to be like, okay, I'm gay and I'm gay enough. And I don't ever have to go help out or go to pride or whatever, because I'm just Mm -hmm. doing it. Like, no, no, you get to do whatever, no matter who you're dating, like you should be involved, whatever feels good to whatever level, regardless of Mm -hmm. who your partner is. So don't think like I can or can't do these things because I'm dating a man. Just think, what do I want to do in my life? Period. It doesn't Mm -hmm. literally, it's not about your partner. It's literally about you. Be selfish in that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were you looking forward to about having a partner who's a woman that you can also engage in with this man that you're with. There are other things out there that can help you like reframe the sadness of losing those what ifs and see the goodness of what you have. Yeah. Yeah. So another question that we got kind of goes along with the by grief of just starting to date women. This person said, I'm a late bloomer. I've slept with a few women, but still get bedroom anxiety. Help. I get the anxiety, especially because I think there's this trope of like women just know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't always think that's right. And I think I might've told on the podcast a a while ago, probably about the first time I slept with a woman, she said to me, do what you would do to yourself. And I was like, that could be good advice, but it also might not be good advice. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is to talk to that person. And I do understand that even just what I'm about to say could give you anxiety. And there's definitely a chance that you're like, no, I'm not doing that. But I do think that like a lot of the problem that like cishet men have is they just go in thinking like, I know what I'm doing. And then like the girl's like, no, you fucking don't. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you need to ask them. And so like, whether it's before, during or after, or before you even meet up, while it's happening, whatever you need to stay. Like, do you want me to do this? Like, how do you want to be touched? And that's not even just like the first time, like even with my girlfriend who we've been together for almost three years now, if it's one specific session, I will ask her like, what do you want today? Because Mm -hmm. it might be different whether she's in the mood for like one thing over another. And so I think that if like anxiety comes from the unknown. So if you don't know whether or not you're doing good, like you're going to have more anxiety. So you need to ask what they want, do what they want. And then say, is this right? Do you like that? Am I doing it right? Do you want more of this? Is there anything I want me to change? And it can be sexy to do that. Like Mm -hmm. even as someone receiving that to hear like, do you want more of this? Do you want me to like, I don't know. There's like sexy ways to communicate that. And that's so Do you like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I think, do you like that? Could sometimes be hard. Cause what is somebody going to say? Like, no, I mean, I probably would. I'd be like, can you do it like a little gentler? Like, but it, like, you have to have like the open communication and like be okay. Telling someone like, no, in like a thoughtful way so that you can both get what you want. Because they obviously don't want to do something that you don't like. No, for sure. I've just gone more about it as like, I don't know that I'm, the. I'll I'll admit, I don't know that I'm most comfortable (laughs) feeling sexy being like, do you like that? It makes me think of, um, it makes me think of that TikTok of the girl talking about going on dates. And she's like, 
what uh, what do you do do you like it do you like it do you know what I'm talking about I don't know what you're talking oh my god about. I need to start sending you more TikToks I, guess. I don't know what you're talking about I'll cut that out in any case I know I, I, <laughs> anyway um I would go more of a route of like you do it and then it's more like like this because then they could mm-hmm. be like no like this which I feel like is more coach of coaching than just like yeah shutting down and being like no I don't like this I want you to do it this way or you could ask questions of like is this good or do you want me to go faster or slower mm-hmm. and then yeah. they might say like yeah faster but it's still all positive reinforcements and so like giving choices and one of the choices being stay the same or you know, do this. Mm-hmm. Is my hand okay? Or do you want me to switch my mouth? Do you want us to open the toy box? Is everything still feeling good? Do you want me to like increase pressure? I don't know. I feel like those specifics matter mm-hmm. um, with like in queer sex, especially because we're so attentive to that person's body and like not to shame hetero. We should sex. be. We should be. That we're not all. We're too. not all. Because I've definitely had sex with people who they were like, fair. "Shut up! I'm gonna do what I want to do to you." And I was like, "I don't like this. No, Why are you totally doing Totally fair. <laughs> yeah, totally fair. But that's like, like I said, anxiety <laughs> comes from the unknown. So ask questions till you know, and then you can feel good about knowing, like, mm-hmm. okay, what I did worked for that person, and you're gonna have to learn again the next time. So like, right. that's that's just sex. But that's my advice. Yeah, that that was beautifully said. I don't even know if I have that much more to add other than um, another option would be to ask them to show you what they like. So either on you Mm. or on themselves or like guiding your hand, like something like that. Or I mean, guiding your head, like there are different options. They can show you um, what they want you to do. But that's the only other thing that I have to add. That was great advice, Gina. (laughs) I agree with you. Yeah, about the (laughs) show, which can be very show and tell. Show and tell. That's what you have to remember mm-hmm. to have good sex. Show and tell that shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So another question, pivoting a bit. How do I handle being gay but not looking gay unless I'm with my girlfriend or partner? So I guess this person has some imposter imposter syndrome until they can be like, no, look, here's my my gay lover. <laughs> I feel like you're going to have better advice for this one because my thought is going back to me starting a new job and like pretending I'm like in a little role like you can be like I'm undercover they don't even know until I like (laughs) they don't they don't know that I'm here and like people probably do know like gaydar is a thing and also not everyone needs to know that can be something you choose to share with people when you want to um if you want to flag that with like the way you look there are things Mm -hmm. you could change uh things you could wear things you could do um there are different options and being with your partner (laughs) doesn't necessarily make you look gay because sometimes people think that's like your sibling or they're like oh best friends as you like make out in a corner like they're I don't know I don't think that necessarily makes everyone think that you're gay but I think little things to signal or accepting that you're like on a spy mission (laughs) are other ways to handle being gay but not quote-unquote looking gay yeah I think if you want to look more gay we've definitely talked about ways to do that and Mm -hmm. that's always an option 
if, and you know, even just as simple as like something that you wear, that's rainbow, even if it's like just even small little earrings or like something like you can always try those things. If you want to appear gay, if you're just like, I don't want to change my appearance. I just want to be able to be me and be seen as a queer person in the world. You just have to start talking about queerness Mm -hmm. all the time. And like, that can be in just like little ways or I don't know, just like bring up your is, girlfriend all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> and it's, it's that. And it's also like your interest in like, even mm-hmm. just saying, I don't know, sometimes somebody will say a word and I'll like joke and I'll be like, hmm, that means something different in the drag world. So like we were like talking about reading in oh. work and I was like, I was like, a reading assignment is very different depending on what you are giving me because I'm a queer. So I need to know exactly what you're trying to say. Like, I don't know. I just like make jokes like that when it's applicable. And it's hard because I do understand that like sometimes you don't want to have to walk around screaming. I'm gay. You just want to be recognized as Mm -hmm. like the layered person that you are. And and being queer is one of those layers. Um, I don't know if this is great advice, but like start building your brand. Like I at work do, I could easily be not seen as queer at work if I didn't go out of my way to like do whatever, especially because I work virtually. So people aren't like even seeing me a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. but I work in our like resource groups that run pride organizations and I'm out in the community and I've started to make a name for myself. So that if somebody comes in the office, they're going to start to be like associating my name with the pride BRG. And so my reputation is like preceding me and mm-hmm. my brand is very much gay. And I want yeah. that as like a queer educator and a queer outspoken person and everything. Like that's exactly what I want. And that's, I know easier said than done, but like the, the more you harvest, whatever your brand is, I think that then will start to be your overall vibe and people will get it. I know the yeah. influence and I know the impact and I know the vibes and the girlies love the vibes and that's just <laughs> what it's about. That is what it's about. Uh, so the last question that we have kind of goes along with that. It's how can I be in queer spaces without feeling like I need to dress or act a certain way? And I think what you just said is great advice for that is letting your reputation um, precede you. Um, you can do that the way I used to, which was matching with every queer person in my city on dating apps uh but Mm. once you're in a relationship that that gets a little bit harder sometimes um if you're monogamous (laughs) Uh, I think like show up as you are just show up be there mm -hmm. be gay what in whatever way you are and that's how you can be in like you don't have to act or dress a certain way you can just be there as you partner no Mm -hmm. partner mullet no mullet you know like clear glasses cuff jeans or not like whatever you don't have to do anything but like you have a right to be in that space and Mm -hmm. a lot of this maybe just comes down to like having that quiet confidence of knowing internally who you are and I know you've said this like on different episodes trying where it's like if you think you're by your by or if you know you're by your by and if it's like Mm -hmm. if you know you're queer you're queer and um, that quiet confidence can go a long way. Exactly. Yeah. Who don't. are you proving yourself to? No one in there is the authority on being queer. They're just doing hopefully what feels better. Like hearing this, I, I get the need, feeling the need to like 
dress a certain way or to flag or to appear gay but please don't try to like act a certain way because for me that's like almost worse to me because I'm just like not even like assuming that it's like negative but it's like like negative behaviors but I don't know just just be yourself like that is the whole point of like being queer is getting to be yourself and not trying to fit into this premeditated role that society's made for you and I hate thinking that people think they have to like act a certain way to be in these spaces because that like defeats the whole point yep yeah (laughs) yeah I love that I think that's a great note to end on me too uh so with that we're gonna wrap up if you want to go give us a follow we're at sapphic survival guide on all social media except for twitter slash x which is just at sapphic survival please go subscribe give us a like give us a rating a review whatever we have a patreon if you want to subscribe and get some additional content that's patreon.com backslash sapphic survival guide you can send us an email if you have any questions for us, uh, sapphicsurvivalguide at gmail.com, or you can just DM us. We also have a phone number if you want to send us a voice message. That number is 724-209-8877. And you can find me, Cheyenne, at Hot Mespian on pretty much any social media platform. And you can find me anywhere online at The Libra including my website, thelibragina.com. And you can listen to my other podcast, um, Hello, for all your Jersey Shore recap, gossip, notes, grenade whistles, all the things. <laughs> and with that, class, class is now dismissed. Now dismissed. <laughs>